More thoughts on the Bo Nix ramifications at Oregon, plus what's happening on the recruiting trail. It's not all bad news. Busy, busy episode today. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm Spencer McLaughlin, your host. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day. Remember to like and subscribe. Leave a five-star review wherever you are listening to the show. Even leave a nice comment if you would be so polite. Always enjoy seeing stuff like that. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with your team every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. So more thoughts on Bo Nix coming at you. Plus, lost in the shuffle a little bit is the National Signing Day was last Wednesday. So we'll get to that. And then later in the show, our very first mailback question, which is uh, excellent. Love to keep them coming. I would love to do a mailbag segment every week, but that requires engagement from you, the listener, the fan, the Ducks community. Hashtag AskLODPod is the hashtag, or you just go right up into my DMs at Smalls underscore 55. So, Bonix, splashy hire, makes national news in college football, former five-star guy. He was at Auburn for three years, two years of eligibility left, coming to the Ducks to compete for the starting quarterback job. And I think that one question a lot of Duck fans have, and I know that a lot of you are frustrated with this or annoyed by it, and if you haven't listened to yesterday's show, you should definitely do that because I have thoughts that preface and sort of build on what I'm about to say, so make sure you go and listen to that. But I, I think one of the questions that I'm noticing among the discourse among amongst Duck fans right now is why would... They do this. Why would you bring in Bo Nix when you have so many talented guys on the roster, right? There, there are three quarterbacks currently on the roster for 2022 for Oregon that are not named Bo Nix. And I want to touch on them for a sec and then get to why I think they, uh, why, why the coaching staff wanted to and ultimately ended up bringing in Bo Nix as a transfer to compete for the starting job. Those three quarterbacks who I talked about a lot yesterday, Ty Thompson, Robbie Ashford, Jay Butterfield. In that order, five-star, four-star, four-star. All highly recruited guys. We have to anticipate as Duck fans in the future, at least one of them is going to leave probably before opening day 2022. It's just a reality. These are two talented prospects to you know wait their turn that long. Now, one of them might. Right. And, you know, let's say Bo Nix becomes the starter again. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think that is going to be a legitimate quarterback battle. But let's say Bo Nix becomes a starter. Maybe Ty Thompson sticks around. Maybe Ty Thompson leaves. But if Ty Thompson leaves and then Jay Butterfield also decides to leave, well, Robbie Ashford probably not going to leave because Bo Nix can only start for two years. And if you believe in yourself, as I know all of these guys do, if you ever met a college athlete, you know, these guys have a tremendous amount of self-confidence, not saying that in a bad way at all, then they probably, whoever that guy is would probably be willing to wait and continue to try and compete for the starting quarterback job. But 
we're not going to be able to keep all. I just don't see it. They're all in the same class, right? They're all freshmen right now. It'll be sophomores come 2022. I, I don't think, you know, all three of Robbie Ashford, Jay Butterfield, Ty Thompson, that, uh, that they will all stay. I think at least one, probably two, end up leaving if they don't get the starting job. But everything is indicating right now that they're going to stay and try and compete for the job, which I think is good. I think a quarterback competition is good. I hope one guy is able to distinguish himself and, you know, it doesn't come down to the last day and yeah, they really don't know, is it this guy, is it that guy? I hope one guy is able to, you know, really make a claim to be Oregon's next starting quarterback, but they're all really talented guys and we don't get to be at practice, so we don't know what that's going to be and we'll just have to monitor how that plays out as we move into calendar year 2022 and as the the spring game approaches. I don't know if there's going to be as hotly contested or highly followed of a spring game in Oregon football as what we could have this year with this ensuing quarterback battle. So I think all of that is fascinating, but I want to put that out there first. Another thing, and I have to give a shout out to Robbie Ashford's mom, who is just a super, super nice woman and was in uh, Twitter spaces the other night, which is where I was with uh, hopefully some of you who are listening to the show right now, you're in there, maybe heard me pop in as the, the Locked on Ducks Twitter account, nameless and uh, and faceless, so to speak, but you know who I am, it's not that hard to figure out, and she had a really great point, and, and first of all, off the top, I love that parents of players are willing to pop into these Twitter spaces, right? The community engagement that's happening in these in these online chats is really, really great. And it's part of what makes sports so great and so much fun is that, you know, we're all in this together. We all share this common thing that we love and have a passion for. And so I think the fact that the parents of players are willing to go in there and, you know, talk to people, talk to fans who care about the University of Oregon with regards to their kids, I think is really great. And, you know, the experiences I've had in there have all been good. Sometimes, you know, it can get a little iffy, but that's only happened really a, a couple times. It's not the vast majority of things that go on in there. So I think that's all all really great. But she had a great point when she was talking about, you know, Bonix coming over and why they might do this. But it's very possible that Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator, wanted Bo Nix as an insurance policy because he has a background with him. They went nine and four together playing in the SEC. They lost the Outback Bowl in Minnesota. They did that Bo's true freshman year at Auburn. So there is clearly a relationship there, and Dillingham then ended up going to Florida State, where he's been for the last couple of seasons. But that's something that I, I hadn't heard before, and I think is a really valid point, is everybody wants some sense of comfort, right? It is to compare it to golf, which I will do a lot on the show. I'm just a big golfer. It's how I am. You have that one club that if you just need to put the ball in the fairway, you know, you're going to hit it, right? For me, it's my two hybrid. If I have to hit a ball into the fairway, no matter how far I'm going to hit that hybrid and I'm going to hit the fairway a pretty high percentage of the time. And everyone wants to have that sort of comfort fallback option. And so Dillingham's coming in his first year as the offensive coordinator for Oregon. And maybe that's what he sees Bo Nix as. Maybe he sees him as someone who is a fallback option if he is not able to immediately build a, a good dynamic with any of these quarterbacks. I'm not casting doubt on his ability to do that, but you know it's not exactly an easy thing to do. 
I'm going to get to this and then we'll come back um, after the break and we'll, we'll, we'll continue on this for a moment and then we'll get to recruiting as well. Stick around. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. Over 20,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com locked. Head to netsuite.com locked for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. netsuite.com locked. Okay, so the insurance policy kind of fallback option is one thing, but I don't think that if Kenny Dillingham is bringing Bonex in for that reason, that he's giving up on any of these young quarterbacks because he knows what he has with Bonex, right? But he hasn't worked directly with any of the other three guys, right? He might know who they are passively. Mrs. Ashford was saying that Robbie and Bonix competed against each other a while back while they were, were still in high school, I think. But those guys also don't know Dillingham's offense, and Bo Nix does. And that's a tremendously valuable thing. You, you can't underscore the importance of being able to fully digest an offense and comprehend and understand and where you're supposed to go with reads and just understanding the philosophy that comes with it as well. And remember, a lot of quarterbacks who have developed sat for a little bit at the University of Oregon, right? Darren Thomas sat for a year behind Masoli, who had played behind other quarterbacks before that, and Herbert didn't start right away, and Mariota was a redshirt freshman when he started. There's something, and it's true at every level, right? Patrick Mahomes sat for a year. Other quarterbacks did not. It just, it, it depends, but there is value to being able to learn and understand the offense. So maybe... Bo Nix ends up being another bridge quarterback as the coaching staff starts starts to build their team in their own vision and implement their own schemes and concepts for the players to fully understand. And I think there's actually a tremendous opportunity here for Dillingham and Dan Lanning and uh, you know the rest of the offensive staff as it gets filled out because they have an opportunity to show Oregon fans something that really wasn't shown in an entirely satisfying way under the, the previous coaching staff, which is develop a young quarterback to maximize his potential whilst bringing him along slowly, right? Herbert was kind of thrown into the fire, but then he went to a different staff, and this is going to be a subject of a whole nother episode later, but, you know, Cristobal and Arroyo weren't quite able to, I think in retrospect, maximize Justin Herbert's potential as a college quarterback. And this staff now has the chance to do that, but maybe they won't want to do it right away and force one of these freshmen into the fire. Because you have to think about it like this. All three of those guys who a lot of you want to be the starting quarterback come 2022 and not Bo Nix, they've all been in Oregon, but they are going to be freshmen in the eyes of Kenny Dillingham because he is going to be working with them for the first time and they're going to learn his system for the first time. So they're basically going to be freshmen all over again on the new staff, and there's a lot of information to learn there. So maybe they go to Bo Nix for a year because they know what they're going to be able to do, and then after a season they've 
got a guy or, you know, two guys where they say like, you're going to battle it out and eventually you'll be able to probably take the, the starting job from Bo Nix. And I think that just if Bo Nix is the starter or just because he's a starter in 2022 doesn't mean that, you know, this new staff is coming in and they're just wanting to go all in on that for two years and that they're completely abandoning these other guys because they might want them to sit and learn and have the chance to develop them. So we'll just have to see how that all plays out. All right, let's get to recruiting, which, you know, was going to be a big subject uh, this week. And then Bo Nix happened, which is a recruit of sorts. But you might be asking yourself, what about the guys that are in high school right now? How's Oregon looking in that respect? And I warned you a while back on a previous episode, if you listen to every one that I've done, I really appreciate you. You get like a gold star in my mind. And if you are someone who does that, you know who you are. I don't know who you are, but you know who you are. And from me to you, gold star. Anyway, the recruiting trail has been, you know, a little shaky. And I told you on past episodes, it was going to be rough. And you just kind of had to ignore this class and not get, you know, overly invested in it or worried about it because you just be started sort of working yourself up over nothing. And Oregon's recruiting class, which was once in the top 10 for the class of 2022, I'll get to this a little bit later, but it's fallen down considerably. But first, actually, you know what, let's get the, let's get the not as good news out of the way first. Class that was once in the top 10, 24-7 sports has it all the way down to 46th nationally. But remember, like, that's a big number. That's a big drop-off. We've been used to getting really big-time recruiting classes at Oregon the last couple of years. But when you undergo a coaching change, this is what's going to happen. Players are going to go elsewhere. Like Micah Pittman thought about coming back. Instead, he's going to Florida State. And, you know, recruits a flip. They dropped out. Kelvin Banks and Cameron Williams, I think, is the other offensive lineman's name, who they were going to come play for Mario. Instead, they're going to go play for Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. And, you know, Oregon only signed seven of the 12 verbal commits on National Signing Day last Wednesday. And, you know, that wasn't terrible, frankly, but I I just want you all to remember because I don't want you to panic and I don't want you to have unnecessary levels of stress because it's easy to worry about this sort of stuff. And this is just not something you need to worry about because in the long run, hiring the right coach was way, 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 way more important than saving one recruiting class. And right now, I think we've hired the right coach. And that's going to pay off in the long term, more than hiring someone in the short term would have just to keep the recruits here at Oregon, you know, or trying to hold on to someone from the previous staff, right? So if, you know, Mario had told us sooner that he was going to leave, maybe we interview Joe Moorhead and a lot of those recruits stay. I don't know, but I'm, I'm glad it has happened how it has, because I think Lanning, based on all the reports, could, has the potential to be a really, really high level coach. And that's more important than one individual recruiting class. However, it's also not all bad news in this recruiting class. And there are two names in particular that that stand out as you look at the the players that signed on December 15th. That's uh, last Wednesday, depending on when you're listening to this. And the first one I want to talk about is Anthony Jones. And Anthony Jones is a three-star athlete. We also get his teammate, whose name is Sir Mels. It's just S-I-R, Mels. Uh, They went to the same school, Liberty High School in Las Vegas, and Anthony Jones is a three-star guy who, you know, could be a three-star that that pops the way he's getting talked about, the amount of attention he's getting. 
the, the potential is certainly there. You know, I think it's possible he's maybe a little underrated as a three-star guy. But the biggest reason I think his name has popped up in the news every now and then, if you follow college football really closely, is that he was a Texas commit. And he flipped from Texas to Oregon. He was committed to Texas. He was all in. And then he wasn't. So that was the first piece of good news. And that says something, I think, pretty profound about Dan Lanning and the staff. And I'll tell you what that is after this break. Bowl season is here, Duck fans, and the Alamo Bowl is not very far away. I've been telling you about prize picks, and if you still haven't signed up, what are you waiting for? In addition to the college football action, prize picks makes college basketball more exciting. Prize picks is the leader in daily college sports fantasy. Prize picks offers more college football and basketball props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players you might not even have heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of. In basketball, you can play points, rebounds, assists, threes made, and more. Use the promo code Locked On and get your 100% match up to $100 on your first deposit. Just be sure to use the promo code Locked On. You pick two to five players and an over and under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entries, and you can do mixed sport entries. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. And PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com, use promo code locked on, or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Okay, so one of the things we've heard about Dan Lanning is he's a great recruiter. That's something he's been known for at Georgia. They had, I think, like nine five stars on their defense this year, which is why it's been so insane. And going forward, I think Oregon should expect to have, you know, some pretty highly rated recruiting classes under Dan Lanning and his staff once he puts it together. And thus far, he's been making some pretty good hires. We talked about Don Johnson earlier. There'll be more guys I'll talk about in, in future episodes. Just so much to get to with Oregon football. It's glorious. It's the gift that keeps on giving here in this holiday season. And I love it. I'm glad you're enjoying it as well. But Anthony Jones flipping from Texas to Oregon says that Dan Lanning already has an idea of what his vision is going to be, and he already knows how he's going to sell himself to recruits when he goes to talk to them and try to convince them to come to the University of Oregon. That's a great sign. I mean, that is a really, really good sign, because you wouldn't expect during a coaching change, you'd expect some guys to stay committed. You wouldn't expect to be able to flip guys from another big-time school like Texas, and yet... Dan Lanning was able to do that. Now, you know, Dan Lanning also, uh, or not Dan Lanning, um, Steve Sarkeesian at Texas was also able to get a couple for former Oregon commits, commits on the offensive line, including Kelvin Banks, who was a big-time five-star. So, you know, it's like they take a bishop and a knight, but we're also able to take a rook. And, you know, if you play chess, you understand all of that. If you've never played chess, you should. It's kind of fun. But... I think that that's a really, really good sign for Oregon fans and what they should expect in the future on the recruiting show. The other name that's out there that's really good news for Duck fans is Jaleel Tucker, a four-star cornerback, corner as in defensive back from the University of Texas. According to 24-7, the scouting report, he's one of the fastest players in the state of California. He ran track in high school. Oregon's had a lot of success with track guys over the years. Devin Allen ran track. D'Anthony Thomas ran track. I think LaMichael and Kenyon ran track while they were at Oregon, if I'm correct. And the other part of that scouting report says that Jalil Tucker has all the tools to play at the next level, meaning the NFL. Now, his teammate, Jalil Florence, who also 
projects as a DB, is still interested in Oregon, but he decommitted and uh, did a visit to USC. He's also got offers from Michigan, Arizona, and Boise State. So we'll see if Dan Lanning's able to reel him in when the next signing period comes in February. And of course, we'll cover that for you here on the pod. But Jaleel Tucker, Anthony Jones, really, really good news. Definitely two guys that could have gone elsewhere. I mean, Jones kind of came out of nowhere for the Ducks. And then Jaleel Tucker was a name where people looked at him and said, oh boy, looks like that's a guy who might might decide to go elsewhere. He even said he wasn't going to sign on December 15th on National Signing Day in the early period. And then he ended up doing that. So, you know, plenty of things to, to look at and go, boy, I don't know about that. But again, don't worry about it with the recruiting class rankings. And there's some good news out there as well. So I wanted to share that. Okay. Last thing for today's show, whenever you're listening to this, I don't really care when you listen, just as long as you do and enjoy the show. Remember to like and subscribe. And if you ever want to get a question answered here on the show, you hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or use the hashtag askLODpod. You capitalize the LOD pod. So mailbag question number one comes from at Scollier, S-C-C-O-L-L-I-E-R. I presume that's how you want me to pronounce it. Um, anyway, appreciate you sending this question in. Any chance Oregon could pick up Northern Illinois running back Jay Ducker should he enter the portal? He's the MAC freshman of the year, and he ran for 1,038 yards this season. I think this is an interesting question, and Ducker is the ultimate example of, you know, he, he hasn't entered the portal from what I have seen, but if he were to, is that someone Oregon should be interested in? I don't think that looking to small schools for guys who have really good years is a bad idea at all in any sport, really. I mean, Chris Duarte was an outstanding Oregon basketball player the last couple of years, and he transferred from a junior college. I mean, some guys get overlooked for whatever reason, and they just need an opportunity. And sometimes they f- find that at the small schools. This guy was the uh, MAC freshman of the year. I actually don't think this is a guy Oregon should be looking at if his name were to come up in the transfer portal, which is hopping right now is absolutely buzzing with thousands and thousands of kids in there in this new world of college sports that makes it more exciting for show hosts like me. But I think if you were talking about a wide receiver, I think that would make more sense for the Ducks because, you know, Micah Pittman's not going to come back. Devin Williams is going to the NFL. Johnny Johnson III and Jalen Red are done playing college football. So the wide receiver position is sort of the biggest question mark on offense for Oregon in addition to the quarterback. But in terms of skill position, right, the tight ends are still there. The offensive line is there. But running back is really, really deep. And Oregon has just had an embarrassment of riches at the running back position for really most of my life as an Oregon fan. You know, uh, Jeremiah Johnson then and Jonathan Stewart and then LaMichael and Kenyon and LeGarrette Blunt. And, you know, I mean, when Byron Marshall is just a guy that you throw out there, I mean, he had to move to receiver because Oregon had so many good running backs with Royce Freeman and Thomas Tyner coming in. And Byron Marshall was a really good running back. He was over a 1,000-yard rusher. Next year was a 1,000-yard receiver. But when you look at Oregon's running back room, I just think it's too crowded. I don't think that Oregon has a need for a guy like Ducker right now, the Northern Illinois guy. But... I just think that, you know, Travis Dye and C.J. Verdell, their futures are uncertain. And then you look at, you know, Byron Cardwell's waiting in the wings. Sean Dollars is still on the roster. He showed a lot of explosiveness. Seven McGee is coming back. Trey Benson's on the roster. is kind of a bruising guy. So, you know, I see the present for Oregon at running back. And I also 
can get a good look at what the future is going to be. And I, I just don't know if Ducker is a guy who would be able to come to Oregon and, you know, make the sort of impact that he would want to if he were to transfer from Northern Illinois to a big school. But, you know, if it had been a wide receiver, I would have said, eh, that's a guy Oregon should look at. But because it's a running back, I think the Ducks are really set at that position now and in the coming years, which is great for Duck fans. But I appreciate the question, Scholar. Again, keep them coming. Hashtag AskLODPod. That's it for today. I'll be back in your feeds tomorrow with Zach Blacker, be the host of Locked On Auburn, who will give you a Tigers fan's insight on Bo Nix as a quarterback. You know, much like I got uh, uh, Clint Shamblin last week of Locked On Georgia to talk about Dan Lanning. Going to get an Auburn guy to talk about Bo Nix and what we should expect from him. Appreciate everyone listening. Like and subscribe if you have not already. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.